This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to Victory Drive, everybody. Today, I have a very good buddy of mine, Dominic Sheets. Um, real quick story about Dominic. Dominic, we, me and you, we met, uh, what was it, the WCB shoot, was it two years ago now when you yep, came down? Yep, two years ago now. Yeah. Yep, and your team WCB, so, you know, fellow bow hunters. Even though I'm running a gun podcast, I am still I still consider myself a bow hunter and a gun hunter. Right, and right. Just, actually... I just consider myself a hunter in general, but you know, we do, we all love bow hunting and being hooked up with working class bow hunter podcast guys, Absolutely. all of them. We obviously right, right. do bow hunt is a fucking good time, but that's how we met. Um, I do want you to give like a, however long backstory on yourself, just a quick background where you're from, what you do and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, born and raised in Virginia. Um, Northern Virginia area, right near uh, D.C. Um, I am a uh, superintendent for a general contractor. We do work for the federal government on all these military bases and whatnot um, in this area. Um, when you say general contracting, what do you, uh, can you get into specifics on what exactly that means? Cause so we do. We'll we'll go into a space and renovate it or renovate a building or build a building from the ground up. Uh, we don't do all of the trades in house. We, um, we have a couple of trades that we do in house and then everything else we subcontract out. So okay. we'll, 
bid on a project and then we'll, <clears throat> if we get awarded, then we go out and we get subcontractors to bid on certain trades. And okay, so when you say we're in general, charge of, when you say general contract, you mean like actual like because in the government military world, no, you have right, civilian yeah. contractors on base. Construction, construction contractor. Okay. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, no, I apologize. Um, so I'm a superintendent for them right now, and I'm currently uh, renovating a space in the Pentagon to be the new uh, Space Command Washington Liaison Office. What? So, Space Command? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like Space Force? Like outer space? Or you mean like... Yep. Yeah. What? Yep. That's crazy. So how so, do you... Uh, How'd that come upon being a being a construction worker now? All of a sudden, you're working in outer space. Oh no 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 no! It's the Washington liaison office. So like they're wherever they're based out of, it's going to be their um, their office in the Pentagon for uh, for the DC area. Basically. Oh okay. I thought you were like, man, they're going to get motherfuckers up there building building stuff on the no, moon already. No 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 <laughs> no. That's well beyond my skill set or expertise. Like Dominic, we need to fly you out to Mars so we can start building this <laughs> this this outer space uh, Gosh, new world. Imagine? Fuck, that'd be that'd sweet be though. Hopefully, yeah, I guess depending on how long it is. Yeah, hopefully they don't challenge your ass and you actually make it out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be doing podcasts right. from outer space. It'd be sick. I'd be uh, I'd be missing hunting too much. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of hunting going on in Mars, but no. <laughs> okay. No, nope, well, not at all. Well, I misread that. That's cool though. So in the Pentagon, so that's yeah, rubbing yep. elbows with the fucking CIA and shit. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I guess so. You don't know who you're walking by in the hallway. No, I so yeah, because you don't have a military background at all or nothing, do you? No, no, nope. no military background. Yeah, that'd be kind of nice gotta, though. Gotta, High school, went to college, and then uh, I was working for this company actually all throughout the summer, every summer between semesters and whatnot. Um, started as a laborer and then just kind of worked my way up through the company. But so oh, yeah. I've been with them ever since high school, so no military background. But that's cool, though. It'd be kind of weird, I guess, if you did spend some time in the military and then you're working in the Pentagon. You, you probably look at some people. I've a lot thought about that before. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, that would that would definitely be a unique experience if I had been in the military. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. So you don't, but you you don't live in DC. You just live near it. You're saying no. I I I, uh, I commute into the Pentagon every day. Um, I live about. Uh, <clears throat> well, it's. Around here, it's hard to give time because you never know how long it's going to take to get to work. But no, I suppose the traffic. It's about and shit. thirty-five miles one way, <clears throat> which normally wouldn't be a lot. But around here, it can be anywhere from forty minutes to two hours. Yeah, no shit. I I hear you there. I mean, just when I was in the military, trying to get to trying to get to work every day, it when you get to the well on military bases, you have to get through a gate, right? So right, there was, yep. yeah, there were some days where you get to the gate and you're like, oh, sweet. Talk to the MPs, show, right. me, show me your ID, meander right through. Then other days, for some reason, 
all the soldiers decided to get up at the same time and just flood the fucking gate. And you're like, God dang it. I'm going to be late to formation. This fucking sucks. And then you look around like all these motherfuckers are late to formation then. You know, like this is crazy. Right. No, I deal with the same thing, except it's not formation. It's getting to the job site. Yeah. Yeah, being the supervisor, I mean, you don't really want to be late. Have all your guys sitting around no. waiting for you. You're like, fuck, guys. Sorry. No, exactly. Exactly. I can't have that. No. So what is the secure, like, so you to get into where you're working, I mean, you're working on a lot of military, a lot of bases and shit, right? Or, right, right. Yeah. So you're, so are you solely working in the D.C. area, though? Or do you travel uh, quite a bit for <laughs> jobs and whatnot? They've they've tried to have me travel. Um, I kind of put my foot down and said no. That's not what I signed up for. Uh, but I have gone to a couple jobs, um, decent ways away. Some out in West Virginia, one out in Texas, um, a bunch up in Maryland. So just mostly in the uh, DC. Virginia, Maryland area, but every now and then I'll, I'll go to a job that's mm-hmm. a lot further away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, traveling, traveling's cool and all until it's not, you know, it's one of the, exactly. <clears throat> when, when you're living out of a hotel and it's hunting season and yeah. you have nowhere to hunt and all you're seeing is people posting big bucks on Facebook or Instagram and you're sitting there in a hotel by yourself it's a it's a recipe for a bad time. I mean, yeah. all you have to do is watch TV or drink, and right. I uh, pretty much I didn't about enjoy it. That, so. That's like the life of a single soldier, too. You know, you get yeah, especially the guys that join the army or marines or join the military right out of high school, and they're you know eighteen, literally just out of high oh, school, man. and they get thrown into a into basic training, getting yelled at and doing dumb shit for X amount of weeks doing that. And then they get to their unit and they're like, man, now I have freedom and I'm getting a, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say decent paycheck, but for an 18 year old, you know, first time having money and having a big boy job that actually you get paid the first and the 15th and they get to the barracks like, Oh my gosh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And it gets real, real rowdy in the barracks sometimes. You're like, God dang it. I believe it. Fucking knuckleheads. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, probably not drinking. Probably the novelty wears off pretty quickly, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and that, and then a lot of soldiers end up getting married to some some chick, you know, that really way too young, and that's the the divorce right, rate right. in the military is insane, and it's really because yeah, the guys get sick of being the barracks. Like this fucking sucks. I want some freedom. I'm sick of getting. Having my NCO come knock at my door all the time to do barrack room inspections. So I'm getting the fuck out of here. And then they right. marry some chick. And ugh, a lot of times it's ugly. It's just, Sometimes it's great, but a lot yeah. of times it's ugly. Yeah, right, right. I guess there's always the exception to the rule. Right. Cause, so, um, so you don't travel a whole lot anymore. But you, uh, you were telling me earlier that you didn't get into hunting until later in life then, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I, um, living in this area, there are not very many people who hunt, um, so it was always something that I wanted to get into. My dad, actually, he, uh, he grew up out in Colorado, and they lived on a farm out there, um, in western Colorado, and 
they used to go out and hunt mule deer and elk all the time um, when he was growing up. But when he came out here, that was before the internet, and he didn't uh, he didn't really know anyone, and it, he didn't have know what how to get the resources to figure out hunting laws and everything. And he was starting a family, so he. Um, Just kind of got out of it, huh? Oh, shit. Oh, we lost Dominic. All right, guys. Apologize about that. We're going to go ahead and give him a call back here, all right? Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice Son messaging of a bitch. system. Hey, I'm so sorry Dude. about that. You fucking left me high and dry out I'm, here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, you're that. good, man. You're good. <laughs> it happens. I got a call and I I tried to ignore it and keep talking to you and I accidentally hit the wrong fucking button. <laughs> no worries, man. You're good. <laughs> so you're t- you're <clears throat> you're saying your dad uh, started a family and you guys are basically the reason why he stopped hunting. Yeah. Nice. Um, end of that story (laughs) no no no. so so um he didn't have any resources to figure out like what the the game laws or hunting laws were or anything um so he just never got into it once he got out here um but he would always tell us stories growing up and stuff and it was always something i wanted to do um so once i uh got into college and I guess I just got uh got bored and started doing a little bit of research on the Virginia laws and then um once I had done a little bit of research I decided to go ahead and give it a try so uh my dad had a couple guns that he had brought to Virginia from Colorado and so I asked him I was like hey I'm gonna take your rifle out and he was like yeah go for it and so i went out and took a a number of tries but i shot my first deer when i was about 23 got a doe and on public land around here that was a a pretty big deal and so yeah that's uh that's how i kind of got into it that's awesome man yeah um one of those things honestly we are in today's day and age we're very spoiled to have all the resources we have to for people to get into hunting without a mentor but yeah back i'm back you know pre-internet it's i mean i could about imagine how daunting of a task that'd be to move to a different state and try to navigate the the state laws and hunting right it's uh, it's it's a mess with the internet you know so exactly i mean even even when you go to a different state to hunt for a little bit it's I mean, you're constantly worried that, that you're going to do something to mess up. And and oh, yeah. so you're sitting there and just combing the regulations for hours and hours, sometimes days, just trying to wrap your head around it. Okay, if I, if I shoot one, I have to do this and make sure to call this number and notch this tag and that kind of thing. And yep. so I can't imagine the uh, what it would be like if uh if we didn't have the internet as a resource oh yeah it's tough it'd be real tough you you really need i mean you even in today's day and age you should have a mentor i think i think you get 
there's so much to having an, an, a mentor of some sort to get you into hunting if you're not already into it. But especially right. back in back pre-internet, you really had to know somebody that knew the laws really well, or at least knew the resources to get get you out there and make sure everything's legal. Because that'd exactly. be the that'd be the worst thing in the world is to be a new hunter, get out there, think you're doing everything right, and then the DNR rolls up on you and it's like, hey, you know what's going on? Oh shit, you don't have this stamp. Like you don't have this habitat right, stamp right, or exactly. whatever else, and now you're fucked. Now here's a two hundred dollar ticket or three hundred dollar, however much it costs, and then you're just like, man, fuck this hunting. I just spent, you know, $600 on a bow or, you know, or a gun or whatever. I spent a couple hundred right, bucks right. to get into it this way. get some clothing to go hunting with. Super excited then just to have the DNR slap you with another two, $300 ticket. That'd be, I'd be pissed. Exactly. I probably would, I'd probably quit if I was to get into it as an adult and got fucked like that. But, right, right. No, absolutely. Well, and that's, that's one of the great things about podcasts nowadays and that's that, I mean, I didn't really have a mentor per se, but I got into hunting podcasts and being able to listen to them, even even though they might not have been talking about regulations or habitat stamps uh, specific to Virginia, they would say something and maybe they mentioned a habitat stamp and I'd be oh, I need to go figure out if Virginia has something like that mm-hmm. and uh, make sure that I have that squared away too before I go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just lots of things like that. Yeah, podcasts have helped a lot. Cause I, I I grew up hunting in Iowa like as a young kid with my dad doing shotgun mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm sure the listeners have heard the story a million times. But just grew up, you know, typical northern Iowa kid doing deer drives with the old man and a buddy and stuff. Right. But uh, when I joined the military, I was 17. Then I left for, oh, fuck, a few years. Uh, I was in the military for almost 10 years total. But during that whole time, okay. I, during that whole time, I basically I just didn't hunt because I was stationed in Colorado for a while, and I, my plan was like, hey, I'm gonna get out and do some hunting while I'm in Colorado. It'd be sweet to go elk hunting or mule deer hunting while I'm living here. Right. But right. it just seemed like every time it it rolled around, I just something came up where is like uh, we had to go to the field oh, for something man. or something else, and then also just the state regulations <laughs> too were. You know, it was con- confusing enough, and it just never really happened. And I know Colorado is is confusing, um, even for a resident. Yeah. Um, like my uncle, he uh, he had a farm. Uh, I wanted to say it was like just under a hundred acres, and it was in a trophy mule deer unit. And um, I went out there to uh, hunt elk with my bow. And I stayed with him when I got there, and then I left him up in the mountains camping. But I was talking to him about it, and I and realized what unit he was in. And um, I asked him, do you ever hunt mule deer here on your land? And he said, no, that the regulations were in such a way that if he wanted to hunt mule deer on his own land, he had to wait seven or eight years to get <laughs> enough preference points to do it. Yep. So he was like, I just, I'd rather hunt mule deer every one or two years and, or I'm sorry, every two or three years and drive to a unit right next to this unit. Mm-hmm. And just th- that, that concept is so foreign to me. Yeah. It's, and, it's crazy. Especially as, as a resident. And each, right. And each unit has its own different rules and seasons and, 
I just <clears throat> that seems like so much to navigate. It is. It's it is a lot. Like I went to Idaho and that was a, you know a, a task in itself just getting everything ready to do archery elk out there in Idaho with a couple of buddies and mm-hmm. we got all got it figured out and now it's like Idaho doesn't seem so bad but it's just getting it all figured out. But it's yeah, one of those things right. where it, yeah. So you said that was your grandpa? Uncle. Or uncle, okay. So your uncle. Yeah, as a resident like cuz in Iowa there's a debate. It comes around every year with non-resident tags, deer tags in Iowa. And if mm-hmm. you're a, if you're if you own land in Iowa, non-residents are like, "Hey, I should be able to hunt my land." You know, it's my land. I pay for it. I should be able to hunt it. Right. And I do agree with that to a certain extent, you know, but then hearing right, that right. story of a dude that is, you know, born and raised in Colorado owns a hundred acres or so owns a small ranch, we'll say, and he lives there, pays taxes every year while living there and still can't right. hunt his own property as a resident of the state of Colorado. That's pretty wild. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm torn on that issue too. I mean, on the one hand, if you're a non-resident and you buy land in that state, presumably as a hunter, you've done your research and you know that, hey, I I can't just go hunt this. I have to, there are certain laws in place that prevent me from doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, it's your land. Yeah, if you pay for it, it's your land. You should be able to do what you want on your land. Yep, and they're so, and they're paying property taxes. You know, like they're they're right. they're paying the property taxes for that land in Iowa. And you know, I get that. I do understand that whole argument, and I do, you know, have sympathy for guys like that, especially guys that were born and raised in Iowa and then move away for work or something. We'll say, and they're like, yeah, man. I still have my family farm back at home in Iowa, but I have to wait four or five years to go hunt it. So I was like, that yeah. does suck. I do understand that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like on the flip side, as an Iowa resident that right now can't afford land in Iowa because it's too expensive. Exactly. It's like, I also don't want the fucking, the non-residents, non-residents have already <laughs> raised the cost of re- recreational hunting land in Iowa by so much already that I don't want it to get any worse. So... Exactly. I mean, it's the only thing that's preserving what's left of it, I guess. Yeah. For you guys, because I, I'd imagine that otherwise, there'd pretty much no farm that's not leased by some rich out of stater that mm-hmm. can afford to, or actually not probably not leased. I guess it would have to be owned, but there'd be no more ground for residents to hunt because right. every piece of land would shoot up in value so much everyone would be buying every square inch of that place that yep <clears throat> there'd be nothing left for the residents yeah you have a come in and hunt for a week or two during the season and then there's no one doing any kind of doe management or anything like that and mm-hmm. i mean yep. i think the whole thing would go to shit if that happened so yeah really i'm, I'm torn on that yeah it's it's a weird i get i get all sides of the argument um, as a not Iowa resident, I'm probably going to side with, uh, you know, Hey, you just got to wait your turn. Like everybody else that's does, that doesn't live in Iowa. It's just the way it is kind of thing. Yeah. It's been this way for, yeah, it's I'm, been this way for so long. Like just get used to it and kind of stop. I, I want to say stop complaining about it and just get used to it and deal with it. But then I talked to, you know, our buddy Austin, he bought an yeah. Iowa farm and I'm like, I'm right. talking to him. Right. I'm like, fuck dude. Like I get it. 
I get why you're sad and no, upset. No, absolutely. But at the same time, like, fuck, dude. Like, you still... I still don't... I want to be able but to afford he, land he, here, too. But you see, <laughs> he, he went into that deal knowing what the deal yes. was. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So it's... it's as much as it sucks, I'm, I mean, I'm sure once you own the land in Iowa, it probably hits you a little bit differently. But he's he didn't. It wasn't a surprise to him that when he bought that land, he couldn't hunt it. Like the yep. hunter in me, fully supports that. And I mean, we need to keep places that have big deer sacred. Keep them with big deer, I think. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the American in me says the government has no business to tell me what <laughs> I can't do on my land. So, yeah. right. That's the, that's a tough thing. So I'm, I'm more of a, I guess, libertarian leaning type of dude. And Same. yeah, I'm like, fuck dude, you own land. You should be able to do what you want. You should be able to manage that property. How the you government see has fit. no right to tell you how you can manage your land. Exactly. But then you think back and you're like, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's those weird little conundrums you get yourself in. And exactly with, especially in the hunting world where you have opinions. Cause like I love hunting in my home state of Iowa. It's great hunting. And I'd hate to see that get ruined due to policy changes. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I also do enjoy going out of state to hunt and I get mad. I, in my head, I also get mad at states that are hard to draw. Cause I'm like, man, I want to go hunt there real bad. <laughs> but then I yeah, think exactly. about like, oh, fuck like, I, I think <sighs> that same way about Iowa. So I can't really get mad, but I really want it's nice to have opportunity states. Like it's one of those things like having opportunity states are great. And Iowa is surrounded by them. Minnesota is over the counter. Illinois is over the counter. Missouri is over the counter. We're Iowa is surrounded by opportunity states. You're talking states that have big bucks too. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's huge bucks in Illinois. There's like nice big bucks, big, huge bucks get killed in Minnesota all the time. In Missouri monster bucks. Like there's big bucks in those opportunity states as well. But right, so right. why do we need to make Iowa an opportunity state too? Like, I I completely get it. Yeah. But speaking as a non-resident, who, and I'm sure pretty much every non-resident will re- will echo this. It's frustrating when you want to hunt Iowa, knowing the caliber of deer that's there to sit there and wait. Yeah. Four or five, six years before you draw a tag, and but but again, I get it, and I I honestly do appreciate it. Because mm-hmm. you, so you, because you hunted Iowa for the first time, right? Just this yeah, last year. Yep. Okay. So it, with that, would you rather wait a, like three, four, or five years to draw a tag in Iowa and keep the quality of hunt that you had while you're here? Hundred percent. You don't even have to give me the second part of that. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But again, I'm not about to buy land in Iowa because one, I don't have the money. Right. Um, But. Yep. That's, that's kind of the same thing. It's like, um, but the guys that do buy land, I also do understand like a non-resident owning land in Iowa and being able to hunt just his property. Like that would be the, that would be the law. Cause I was, that's the law that was brought up or the proposed okay, yeah. proposal that was brought up this last session <laughs> is that, Hey, a non-resident landowner should be able to get a tag at non-resident cost every year to hunt just his property. Basically just a landowner tag that costs a shit ton of money. And they should yeah, be able to have right, the option right. to get it every year. 
as long as they own land and it's only on their property. So that if that happens, that would not necessarily affect my hunting, but it directly directly, but it would affect the land prices. And that's the the flip side of that argument, you know, where it's like, okay, right. yeah, that sounds all good and dandy. And they even put a, a land uh, size like in there. So it had to be At over 80 acres. acres or whatever yeah. it is. I think, I think what the proposal was is it had to be 80 acres or more <clears throat> and they could only hunt their property. Okay. And it, the tag came at non-resident prices. So even with all that, I'm like, okay, so every piece of land that's 80 acres and, and bigger is going to be way expensive. But then I think maybe land that's, you know, 79 acres and smaller would get way cheaper. I don't know. Possibly. Probably you not. never know. But probably not. Then, then the next thing they do is uh, find, have some loophole or find some loophole to where they could lease the ground instead of own it or something like yeah, that. That's the whole deal too. With It's a slippery start, slope. Yep. When you start talking slippery slopes, it's like, where's then like not to get too far into politics, but it's like, um, not too long ago and gate. And they preface this. I think if you're gay, you should be able to get married, but not too long ago, gay marriage was not legal federally. And then when they made mm-hmm. it legal, everyone that was anti gay marriage was like, okay, well, where do, where does it stop? Like, this is a slippery slope into, you know, pedophilia basically is what they were what the argument was like this is a slippery slope into normalizing stuff that shouldn't be normal like they brought transgenderism they're like yeah transgender like that's not normal we shouldn't this uh this is one step closer to all that that can of worms that no one no one at the time really wanted open and it did come true to a certain extent so it's one of those things like the slippery slope fallacy is not necessarily wrong every time you know right it does happen exactly so when it comes to hunting and all that stuff, like it is a slippery slope, and you do have to take all those different voices into consideration. No, a hundred percent. And <clears throat> I mean, you want you want to be fair to the parties that deserve fairness, but you know, based on historical occurrences that. That once you, I mean, the old saying, give an inch, take a mile, you give in a little bit and who knows where it goes. Yeah. And we're seeing that with gun rights too. Um, it seems yeah. like every time a you know, mass shooting, we just had that last mass shooting happen in Nashville and it's absolutely horrendous what happened there. But it's one of those things where every time something like that happens, it, what is it fucking like the, I only think the police are off the scene before politicians start talking about gun control, you know? No, like they're still exactly. they're still on the scene doing what they need to do, and you, you have all these politicians out there like that's why we need more gun control. And in my opinion, yeah, but show me show me where gun control has been effective. Right. I mean, yeah. the, they they want to take the spotlight off all these uh, cities and towns that have super strict gun control laws in place. Yet the gun murders and crime and everything is still super high if not higher than everywhere else that has much more uh unrestricted gun laws right. regulations yeah abs- absolutely and that's why in my opinion i feel like the the rise in gun deaths and gun violence is just because we're having a, a rise in violence in general because i th- i feel like it's not a gun problem it's a societal problem 
We have 100%. we have a bunch of DAs in office that are not you know they aren't they aren't prosecuting the way they should be prosecuting criminals. We have you know the defund the police movement, which is in my I think this is my conspiracy mind coming out, but I think the whole defund the police movement is another is just one more step towards gun control because if you have less police, then you're going to have more crime, and you have more crime, then you're going to give these politicians more fuel to exactly. throw on the gun the gun debate. You know, well, and and speaking of the defund the police, you look at all these people and they're the same people screaming for defund the police are the people screaming to disarm the population. Yeah. And it's like, which one do you want? If you, if you defund the police, then these people, there's no one to defend you. Not even yourself. Um, right. Exactly. But then, but then they're also screaming that, uh, that these weapons of war, these assault rifles don't belong in the hands of civilians yet. They only belong in the hands of the military and the police. So, I mean, they're so inconsistent yeah. with with what they're saying and what they want. Yeah, it does, like you, it, you can't make any sense of it. No, you can't, and that's why it's honestly laughable at this point. Because it's it's like, what what do you guys want? Like yesterday, you were crying about how police are the police are assholes. They need to be defunded because they are you know racist bigots killing everyone. All this other shit, right? Exactly. And, but then they they want them to be the only ones that have guns. Like that doesn't yeah. make, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, what kind of sense does that make? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Is the is the thing? <laughs> and I really think like the whole defund the police movement. I, I've thought about this a lot. And is it right or wrong? Am I getting too conspiratorial? Probably. But I feel like the whole defund the police movement will directly transcend into more obviously more violence like we've seen. And spark the gun debate. Let's say they, you know, get rid of guns. Like, okay, civilians just can't have guns besides like a twenty-two fucking rifle. Mm-hmm. Let's say it gets that strict where it's like, yeah, you don't need any, you don't need all these other guns. You get, they take away guns, and right. the crime doesn't stop. And like, okay, well, hey, we actually do need police. So then they plus up the police force, and then we're into a police state where the, the yeah, and the, the only caveat I. I've thought about it a lot too. And the only caveat I would add to that is that it's all about control. They defund the police, then violence goes up and then they say, okay, we need more police, but then they get to send in federal regulators to control everything. And now the feds control everything. It's not local, locally elected police officers and sheriffs. Right. Absolutely. Um, Police chiefs and sheriffs. Now, the federal government has full control of everything. Yep. And <clears throat> these police officers are probably maybe getting into it initially to be, to do good, but they realize that their lives are much better off if they just go along with the status quo of what the, the higher ups tell them to do and they get rewarded mm-hmm. for it or they don't get the same punishment that the normal civilians get. And, yeah, <clears throat> they just keep carrying it out. Yeah, a thousand percent, dude. That's I. F- I feel like that's totally accurate because I've seen it in the military. Where when I joined the military, it was I joined in two thousand eight, and okay. back then, gays weren't allowed in the military. Still, so it was called "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." Like if you're gay, yep. you could join the military, but you couldn't tell anyone. You couldn't be you couldn't be openly gay and be in the military. And then right. Obama came in and he got rid of that. Okay, whatever. 
you know, but it's one of those things where they, they kept changing the military and turning it into mm-hmm. a, like a, a, a social, um, social justice. Yeah. Yeah. So they changed symbol. The, Yeah. They changed the military up so much where a, guy, a lot of guys, a lot of guys I knew that got in the military planned on doing, you know, until retirement, but they couldn't take it anymore. They're like, this shit has changed too much. And then they, in a big, this is going to sound really bad, but it's like, then they allowed women into combat arms. So as an infantryman, you now could have a female in your squad. And it's like, okay, this is just not right. Like there's certain I can only imagine the dynamic changes so drastically. Oh, it's insane. And when that happens. And what's crazy is that, um, after they let women in the combat arms, guess what happened? Fucking sexual assault mm. cases went went up through the roof. Weird, weird. How who could have seen that coming? Yeah, who could have seen that coming? A bunch of fucking roughneck <laughs> dudes. And then, and I'm not saying like it's not even saying that all these dudes are out there raping all these chicks. That's not. That's, no, no, that, that might be happening. Sure, that definitely has happened and will continue but to happen. I, I'm sure, I but tell you when a it's lot not of t- happening was when it's a bunch of dudes out there. Yeah, and we weren't raping each mean, other. As, as much you know <laughs> <laughs> so especially when don't ask don't tell was in was in place you know right, but right. it's one of those things where where you change it so much and you completely change the entire dynamic and it's like are we trying to keep the military lethal a lethal fighting force or are we trying to make push social justice fucking and that's what it should come the down military? yeah i think so. what's the what's the, what's the purpose of the military to protect this country and do what it takes to um to protect us and our allies and keep other people from being oppressed to be able yeah. to act militarily if mm-hmm. that's a word when it's required yep. and i mean it's it's not it's not a a place where everyone should be accepted and no where feelings don't get hurt i mean this is people's lives on the lines mm-hmm. all not- that needs to be thrown out the window when it comes to the military. You can have Absolutely. your social justice reform in corporate entities and in municipal government and whatever the hell you want to do, mm-hmm. but the line needs to be drawn when it comes to the military. There's no room for that. Right. When it's, when, when your job doesn't um, doesn't entail life or death situations, then do whatever you want. Right. Go for it. But when it comes to you know de- defending the the country against an enemy that is you know they don't give a fuck like do you think the taliban gave a fuck about social justice absolutely not do you think russia gives right. a shit no they don't do you think china no none none of our enemies nope. give a fuck about social justice or care about any of that stuff and as america as america with the strongest military and the in everything the strongest military might in the entire world we're gonna be like yeah you know what a good place to start with this whole social justice messaging is the fucking mm-hmm. military. That'd be cool. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And like you said, no. the military is the one place where I will argue most people shouldn't be allowed in. You know, it, it should be. It's it's a it's a small community of people that is it is it should be very restrictive on who we let into the military. That's why there were so many fucking rules. And things you had to pass in order to get in the military before, where is like you know you couldn't be crazy, you had to go through a psyche valve, you had to go do a physical fitness test, you couldn't be gay, you ha- women could do certain jobs, and men could do other jobs. It's like it was very restrictive right. because it made the most sense because because it's it's all about being effective yeah. at your job, and in order to be effective at your job, you need to have the best of the best. 
Absolutely. If, if your feelings are hurt because you didn't get selected for some team, then guess what, buddy? It's not, it's probably not the place for you because mm -hmm. your feelings are going to continue to get hurt. And if you need a safe place, then maybe go play baseball at some adult league in the burbs because go fucking airsoft or paintball, you know? Yeah. <laughs> go, be, go become an airsofter, dude. If you really want to go um, LARP. Yeah. Go LARP around out in the woods in your own hometown. You can be, you can be fat. You can be whatever you want to be. And you know, you call in the yourself whatever world. rank and whatever yeah. special forces you want to. Yeah, exactly. You can make your own little paramilitary group of airsofters. That's fine. That's right. Absolutely. But it's one of those things. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a wild world. And, uh, I tried not to pay attention as much because it's fucking stressful. But at the same time, as an American, I also feel like it's my duty to pay attention at least somewhat. So I have a, right. at least a, a broad understanding of what's going on so I can call bullshit when I see it. Well, nowadays you just feel like every single thing, every value that you hold is just being assaulted by the left. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere you turn, there's some kind of attack on some traditional value or, uh, principle that you've held since childbirth and that your parents and grandparents and great grandparents and the founders of this country have held near and dear. And now all of a sudden everyone's just shitting on it and saying that, that you're a bigot for holding on to those beliefs. And yep. And we're not a bigot. Like just cause you have, you hold traditional values doesn't make you a bigot or a bad person by any stretch of the imagination. Like I'm not, right. I'm not anti-gay. I, have you know no. i think we're in america you should be able to be whatever you want to be and i'm not anti-trans either like if you want to be if you're a dude and you want to be a chick or vice versa hey you know what if you're an adult in america then you should be able to do whatever you want as long as you're not um you're not forcing me into certain as long as you're not violating my rights or my how, right. how i want to live you my want life. to live your life in your house then you go do your thing yeah. but don't make me don't don't try to coerce me into affirming whatever you have going on right and trying to tell me that i need to play along with this deranged game that you've uh, come up with or concocted in your head yeah there's the that, same there's the same way with gun with gun rights too it's like just, i haven't committed any mass murders i haven't committed right. any murders so why should I lose my rights as an American to own a gun because some fucking asshole decided to go shoot up a school? Right, exactly. Like that don't make no <laughs> but sense. But it's to not me. it's not it's not even just about your right to a gun, but like the more to its core, it's your right to be able to defend yourself and defend your family. Yes. Yeah. To defend your family or your friends or whoever it might be. Mm -hmm. If if that's happening, then that's that should be a signal for you to go get a gun. Don't tell me to get rid of mine. Yeah, or your property too. It's like it's not, it, you know, you have to defend your your you know yourself, your loved ones, and your property. Like this is one of those things where if someone comes into my house and is stealing my shit, and I pull a gun out on them, and then they decide to attack me. I should be able right. to fucking shoot them. So. Right. No, exactly. And I mean, everyone's like, let call the police, let them do it. You, they, they keep saying like putting the two officers that, uh, shot that shooter, um, 
up on a pedestal. And, and, and I fully agree. I mean, they, they did such a good job. I mean, I think it was 90 seconds from when they got out of the car to when they shot her. But the key is that it was 14 minutes after the first 911 call. Mm-hmm. So you can't, if, yes, they did a phenomenal job once they got there. But that still leaves 12 and a half minutes or whatever it is that that girl was just walking around shooting people. I mean, yep. <clears throat> when it comes to life or death, it, and you're talking fractions of a second, I want to be ready to handle the situation on myself and then explain to the cops when they get there rather than yeah, potentially risk someone being dead and me hiding in a corner until they get there. Yep. That's one of those things like I've, you know, I've personally been in situations where, you know, seconds and fractions of a second do matter. Like they really, really do matter in those types of situations when bullets are flying. And like you said, I will just rebuttal what you said. And those cops did a phenomenal job. Everything they did, I watched the body cam footage and they, they pursued the shooter with vigor and they were tactically sound. They did everything right. They did everything that, that... I would expect uh, any police force in America to do. They right. conducted themselves as professionals and eliminated the threat in a, a very, very timely fashion. And yeah. but like you, uh, like you said, yeah, if there was someone that was there that already had a gun, then you're talking about prevention rather than reaction. And right. man, so I'm not saying like what if you know? Yeah, sure, she could have shot the dude, uh, someone, someone in the in the school that had a gun. That could have happened, mm-hmm. or they could have shot her, and no one would have gotten hurt because that's her, right? You know, and me personally, I've, <laughs> but at I've, ta- least I've talked to someone was there ready to try to at least fight back and defend everyone, Absolutely. rather than just hide and wait. Yep, and I've talked to a lot of cops, and I can about guarantee. I've never asked them this question, but I can about guarantee that the majority of the cops that I know that they would much rather come into a situation, they'd much rather hear a nine one one call of. Hey, uh, nine one one. It's Jacob Johnson here. I'm at my house. I had an intruder. They had a gun. I shot him. They're dead. Um, come, come now, kind of thing. They much rather right. know, like, oh, hey, the threat's already been neutralized, so I can come into this call and not mm-hmm. necessarily have to be on high fucking red alert and knowing, like, okay, right. now we're investigating, to make sure that it was self defense rather than you know going in and worrying about a possible threat to themselves. Right. A threat to themselves and a threat to innocent civilians. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's just... No, I agree 100%. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. But on that subject, that's uh, well, off that subject a little bit. I know we got a little carried away there. But I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. everyone's still listening. But I did, I, I did want to talk. I, yeah, I did want to talk uh, a little bit more about, um, I guess hunting. So coming, it's turkey season's coming up. We were talking a little bit about uh, yeah. like state laws and stuff and everything else and just right, getting right. ready for turkey season but uh so i'll ask the question again i know i already asked it earlier but when you when it comes to turkeys i know you're a diehard bow hunter but when it comes to turkeys are you 
solely bow hunting turkeys, or are you shooting them in the face with a shotgun? <clears throat> so, I've always, ever since I started turkey hunting, I always took a shotgun. The bow was never on my mind, um, but as you you know you're aware of the bow hunting league i don't know were you in it yep. at all no i wasn't okay. in it yep. I, i'm part of the facebook group but I'm, i never had a team okay I, I yeah, like, yeah actually i might have had one team once with my buddy but yeah gotcha okay yep. well they they do a, a turkey league as well so last year i decided to try that and so i took my bow every time i went out i probably went out 20 to 30 times and one time I got drawn on it but there was too much brush I couldn't shoot through it and he ended up seeing me and running off so the last day of season I took the shotgun out and less than 15 minutes and after sunrise I had a bird down and I just decided you know what fuck it bow hunting (laughs) for turkeys is not for me they they were made to be shot in the face with a shotgun I think so and it's too. so much more fun, and and it's just a lot less stress. And I, the, I like to basically run and gun after them, like no blinds, no decoys, just figure out where they are, get in as tight as you possibly can, and maybe have like a rise between you and try and call them up just high enough to where you can get a shot or something. And yeah. That's incredibly tough with the bow. I just I don't like the the sit in a blind and wait. Right. When it comes to turkeys, and with a with, when you're bow hunting turkeys, that's just you know that's just the most effective way to do it. When you're sitting in a blind, right? And, it's so much movement to get drawn back and and everything. But and God bless the, the guys that do it. You know. Oh, absolutely. My hats off to them. I mean, I I tried it for a whole season and I couldn't do it. Yeah. So my hats off to them. But it, it I had so much more fun before trying with the bow, and then that one morning when I was successful last year it was so much more fun that I just I'm not taking the bow out after him again you know unless it, I mean if it's the absolute right condition if I know that they're pitching down into one corner of a field every morning or something but the the spots I have I don't it's not like that it's all big timber and so they can be anywhere at any point in the day yep uh, so yeah I, it's much better just to be mobile and be ready to just run down a mountain after them rather than <laughs> be counting on some ground blind. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm the same way. Honestly, I, I went bow hunting turkeys one year and it was, mm-hmm. it was fun. Like I was like, okay, cool. You know, cause in I, in Iowa during Turkey season, we have first, second, third and fourth season. And you can hunt with a, you can get two turkeys with a gun but you can only okay. get you can only get one tag for first, second, or third season, and it, the second tag needs to be for fourth season. But the okay, plus so side, you have to pick one of the first three. Yep, yep. Pick okay. one of the first three, and then you can get fourth season also. Uh, but you can't you can't get two tags for you can't get a tag for first season and get a tag for second season. You know, so God, okay. yeah, it's one for first one through three is one tag, and then fourth. But uh. And how long are the seasons? It it varies. They they gradually get longer. So first season is like five days, and it's Monday through Friday, I believe. And then okay. second season, you get one weekend. I usually go by weekends because yeah. I work. So 
<laughs> you know, so I usually go by weekend. So I think in the second season, you get one weekend, third season, you get two weekends and fourth season, I believe you get three weekends. So it gradually okay. just nice. gets longer and longer. But, right. uh, with bow, if you go bow, if you bow hunt turkeys, then your archery tag is good for first through fourth season. So you get the whole season to hunt with a bow if you want to, but you can only get okay. one, you can only get one archery tag. So that year I went out, I got an archery tag and then I got a four season gun tag and gotcha. okay. man, I did, I did hit a turkey. I shot him. I thought it was shot him really good, but I couldn't find that motherfucker. So then I felt bad because it was my first time. Oh yeah. I, th- yeah. I think it was my first time ever losing an animal. So I hit him really good. Mm, I was sitting out there. Yeah. I think it was during third season. I think it was during third season that I had him come in and I'm like, fuck it. This is going to work. And I, I was in a blind with a uh-huh. decoy out there and he came in i pulled back everything was going perfect i put it right where i wanted it. i drilled him he ran off and then hit the woods I'm like okay he's gonna be dead right inside the woods so then i waited right. a little while i went out there and i couldn't find him and turkeys don't bleed oh, no. like they don't fucking no it, they don't bleed dude so I, it the blood just gets stuck in all those feathers yeah and i mean if you don't put a giant cut in that thing with the broadhead then you're not gonna you're not gonna get a lot of blood and i I've helped my buddy look for a turkey, and we found that thing curled up under the tiniest little log. And because all the the foliage around was about like six inches tall, that thing was hidden so well. I mean, we we looked for an hour and a half, two hours, and finally we found it tucked under that log. But Jeez. and it was just by luck that we happened to find it. So yep. I'd. Um, from here on out, I'm I'm taking the shotgun and shooting yeah. him in the face every time yeah. I can because it's just so much more fun. It is, and that, that's the same with me. I I firmly believe that everything with feathers are is meant to be shot with a shotgun. Agreed. You know, anything with fur, then it's like okay, bow hunting is pretty fucking sweet with anything with fur. But yeah, man, right. when, when you're dealing with feathers, it's like you got to take the shotgun out. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm definitely on that same train. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Wells, he's, he's out there fucking spear, dove hunting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's out there do- dove hunting Slingshot with a god dang bow and arrow dude with a Oneida bow. It's like, what the hell? This dude's wild. <laughs> Seriously, that, that stuff is crazy. Yeah. But that's not me. I don't, want to, I don't really want to do that. I don't. It's one of those things where I just don't. I find, like you said, I find a little bit less enjoyment, which is weird. I find a lot. I find a lot of enjoyment archery hunting big game animals like deer and all that shit, right? Same. Deer, elk, whatever. I find a lot of enjoyment bow hunting them because they, the bow hunting, the bow seasons just seem to line up in a really exciting time during the rut and whatever animal yeah, you're hunting. Yeah. So I'm like, this is awesome. And the rifle gun hunts are, you know, they're generally post rut, you know, way yeah, in the late right, season. So right. this is a totally different feel. So I really enjoy archery hunting big game, but man, yeah, turkeys, I went out that one year. I'm like, fuck, this is, this is rough, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, no. it, just, it wasn't rough. And like, a, man, this is a tough, fun hunt. It's like, this is just, this is just silly. Like I should be out running a gun with a shotgun. Cause I'm the same way with you as you were. I enjoy getting out there with my shotgun. You know, if I, I usually have one single hen decoy with me and mm-hmm. just for fun just to have and just you know i don't know i always carry right, I, right. I feel like she's my good luck charm because my daughter <laughs> my, 
this decoy was like my daughter's toy for the longest time. She would like carry it around, like pet it and stuff. And it was, oh, really? yeah, it was awesome. And she, she named it, <laughs> that's great. She named it Yvonne Lawn. Yeah, I don't know why. But I, she, I think I remember yeah. you talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was on CC Hunt Files with Clint. We were right. talking about it. But yeah, yeah, so I have this, yeah. it's the only turkey decoy I have. And my daughter named it Yvonne Lawn. I take, oh, I take her out everywhere with me. She's my little buddy when I go turkey hunting. And I've never killed a turkey. When a Von Lon's out, but she's always been with me when I kill a turkey in my hand. Then, yeah, you know? definitely good luck, Ben. <laughs> so I, I always definitely have her with keep me. Keep her with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but all, all the turkeys I've shot have been, you know, spot and stalk slash run and gun type scenarios. So, right, right. Yeah. It's just like, but I always had that decoy with me, but she'd always end up right at my, at the, at my feet laying down while I'm trying to shoot this turkey. So, but. Yeah, no, same. <laughs> and I, I, I usually have a decoy with me, and I'll, I'll set it out when I think a turkey's coming in. But they never, in these woods around here, they never come in like you expect. So, ninety percent of the time, that decoy's in the bag, and I've ditched it twenty yards behind me as I crawl up through all kinds of brush or something. Yeah. Uh, that turkey I shot last year, he was just over a small rise, and I got down on all fours and I started crawling up and I was going to stake this decoy in the ground and scoot back and lean up against a tree and he was going to come straight in and no problem. And I started crawling and two hens come sprinting over the hill. I mean, right in my face. And I just (laughs) got as flat to the ground as I could. And then I could hear him gobbling. He was closer and it sounded like he's just out of sight. So I scooted backwards on my stomach to where I dropped my shotgun, picked it up, and I'm just laying there completely flat on my stomach and and hear him gobbling, and suddenly I see a, a tail fan um, over the top of the brush and just looking and waiting, and he gobbles again and sticks his head up, and I just shot him right down in there. The decoy was out, but it was laying outside, half covered by brush. and So I... I, I Shooting him over a decoy is not something that I usually do. Have you, have you ever? No. I, dude, I, I haven't did, either. I did crawl up on one behind a, a turkey fan that I had made from <laughs> previous year kill, but okay, um, and did, that was cool. Did that work like uh, like on TV where the fucker came yeah. hot and heavy? Oh yeah. Oh, it did oh, nice. <laughs> that was. That was crazy. We were I was crawling through this grass that was probably about two feet tall and um my buddy was with me. Was, we were hunting a farm that he has permission to hunt and he had gotten permission for me to hunt with him that day. And we both had turkey fans with us and so we <clears throat> were walking along the edge of this field and we see two of them out there, so I bump out probably 30 yards out into the field just crawling on my stomach and he was up on the tree line and then we both popped the fans up and just started crawling toward him and there were there were two turkeys on the road the little two track through the middle of the farm and they saw us and they just came sprinting through that tall grass and I was shaking so badly that that I like the turkey was probably six feet in front of my gun barrel. I shot it and hit it, flew off and it flew over top of the trees. And 
I thought that I'd missed it. And so we went kind of walking through the, the gap in the trees that that two track went through. And I started looking and I saw a dark spot over there. And sure enough, that was him. He'd flown about 200 yards away and was laying there. He wasn't quite dead yet. So I ended up belly crawling about three, two or 300 yards um, through this shorter field. He kind of saw me and scooted off into the trees. So I got up and just kind of quickly rushed inside the trees and was able to put another shot on him and finish him. But Damn. Did you body shoot but, him or where was that shot? When he's so that I, close? I could never, I couldn't, I couldn't tell. I, when he flew off over the trees, I could tell that he was kind of hurt. But um, when I shot him the second time, he was walking away and I, I could never fully, t- I didn't pluck him. Right. to really get a good look. So I can never really tell exactly where I hit him and tell okay. which was second shot versus first shot. But he was hurt bad enough that he barely flew off over the trees and then ended up landing over in the next field over. But, mm-hmm. Damn, that's but crazy. That, that rush when when I was sitting there crawling behind this fan and he came running in, I mean, I, it had me shaking so badly. <laughs> it's that's definitely worth trying if you ever have the right safe opportunity to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of those. Yeah. Uh, reap, I guess reaping, reaping turkeys yeah. is something that you don't want to do on heavily pressured public land. No. You know, so I have a, you hear all the, you hear horror stories every year. Oh yeah. Guys trying it on public land and then getting shot by some other hunter. Yeah. My buddy, uh, Matt Moon, he was on just, uh, well, yeah, his episode dropped just a couple weeks ago. But, uh, okay. yeah, he fucking, he's had his decoy shot while he's out there turkey hunting and everything else. It's like, geez, man, people are just, people are kind of wild out there during turkey season. And not, you know, I, I don't really get it, but I kind of get it because some of these, a lot of these decoys are pretty damn realistic looking. But same thing, right, I, right. I never really hear about that happening a whole lot during, you know, any other hunt. You, you know, you never, yeah. never hear about guys going out during waterfowl season and shooting fucking shooting up and shooting. A big raft of decoys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> floating down the floating down the river or lake or pond or whatnot and be like, oh shit, there's a bunch of ducks over there and then shooting your decoys. <laughs> but you hear about it with turkey, right, exactly. the turkeys all the time. So it's like, wow, what yeah. the fuck, man? Yeah. But, I guess it just must be that thick brush and that people just get yeah. too excited. I, when I started deer hunting, all I had to hunt was public land, and I was hunting with a rifle. And and there, in this area, there are just way, way, way too many people on the public land, and it <sighs> it felt seriously unsafe. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you turn right and you see someone sitting up on a hill, and then you turn left and you see someone sitting on the hill, and turn back the way you came and somehow there's someone sitting 50 yards behind <laughs> you and you must have walked past them and never saw them and yeah and it's weird because you got, like everyone's wearing blades orange but at the same time you never you, when, when you're out leaves on the trees you might yeah. not see them from a certain angle right because when is uh you've got, when is gun season open for deer i don't want to get off turkeys yet but when real quick when does it open in um i think i want to say um, don't quote me on this. I, I think it's like the third Saturday in November. 
Okay. But we have a muzzleloader season for two weeks prior to that. I think that oh, comes shit. in the first, the first uh, Saturday of November. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So I, have, I, from basically from November to January, they can use either muzzleloader or, um, or centerfire rifle. Damn. Yeah, in Iowa, you can't even look at your gun until until like later December. Or right, actually, I think it's the. Uh, second week of december or something like that so yeah i wish that was the case yeah I anyway i didn't mean to <laughs> no, you're get good. too off track on the turkeys no you're good but uh yeah back back on turkeys um i also yeah like i said i do love to shoot them with a shotgun because i don't know what it is but i guess i did shoot that one turkey with my bow over my decoy and that was actually over a von lawn so that is the only oh, turkey nice. i have so i had her staked out so she brought up. you luck with the bow too oh yeah yep you know, and I hit, I hit him, I hit him good, but then he laughed. I already told that story, but, uh, man, with a shotgun, yeah, yeah, he did, but with a shotgun, man, so much, I don't know. It's just so much fun with shotgun because, uh, the turkeys I've killed my first turkey ever I killed, I had, I was out there. I went out with my buddy, my, once again, my buddy, Matt Moon, and he got me Uh into turkey hunting and stuff, but he, I went out with him all of third season and, you know, we had this big plan. Like, yeah, when a turkey comes in, you know, you shoot him, Jay, because I've shot plenty of turkeys. I want, really want to see you shoot a turkey and get you into right. it and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool, man. So we're out yeah. hunting and we're hunting this private ground that he had access to. And he had all of his decoys out. He had like, you know, his whole flock out there and stuff. And mm-hmm. turkeys are gobbling all over the place, but they're just not coming in. And then finally, uh, after a while after quite a few days of hunting and doing that uh a tom did end up coming in but he came in on my buddy's side so oh okay yeah. so i was like okay so we're watching him and he's walking around strutting around doing his thing right next to my friend and i couldn't get a shot because i wasn't gonna shoot put my gun barrel right in his face and blast nah. that turkey right so he ends up shooting that turkey and he's like okay we'll, we'll get another one though don't worry jake we never did and <laughs> so then, uh, geez, so that's then, how it goes sometimes though yeah yeah so then come fourth season i'm just like he couldn't hunt this uh i think it was i think his opening i think his first weekend in fourth season he couldn't hunt okay. so i was like i'll just go out and give her give her a try on my own i'll give her a whirl i've hunted with you a few times already i think i get the gist um yeah i went out and i took a von lawn out with me and i went out to this piece of public and i got to the i got to the parking lot and I'm sitting out there, and it's, you know, well before sunrise. And I'm sitting out there, and I'm like, I don't know. I think on all the hunting videos I've seen with turkeys, they, they just kind of, I'm just going to sit here and wait until they start gobbling the roost and then just go go towards them and set up, and hopefully I get get close enough. Yeah, right, right. So I'm sitting there, and it's, you know, it's a pretty nice big piece of public. So it started getting closer. I didn't hear any gobbles. So I'm like, I'm just going to start walking the trail and just kind of keep my ears open. I'm walking and walking. As I'm walking, it's getting closer and closer. And I started hearing some light yelping. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then I, I yelped a couple of times from where I was at. And I, and I heard a couple of gobbles. I'm like, okay, that's where I need to go. And I stopped, I stopped calling. And I said, well, you know, beelined it to where they're at. Yeah. And I was walking in and I felt like I was getting pretty damn close. And I obviously didn't want to bust them off the roost. So I got snuggled in to this, on this tree and I stuck a Von Lon out there, probably you know, I don't know, 10, 15 yards in front of me. And I snuck back mm-hmm. in this um, thicker stuff. 
up against this tree and it was all still you know, is getting really green down there. It's kind of in a river bottom. So there's a river. Okay. Yeah. There's a river right, right. in front of me and I felt like the, I heard the gobbles. Uh, they were kind of all right in front of me and some of them were across the river. Don't you hate hunting next to running water? Uh, when you're trying to distinguish where a gobble's coming from. Hmm. Kind I don't of, know if, yeah. how fast that water was running, but when I'm run, hunting good. near fast water, I'll be 100% confident that it's coming from one direction, and I'll move a little bit, and then I'll start doubting myself and think that, no, maybe maybe it came from this different direction. I, yeah. I feel like the the running water... Maybe it's just me, but it, I feel like it really messes with my hearing as far as pinpointing the direction that the the sound came from. It does. I mean, it definitely does affect it. I think I feel like the running water carries sound a little differently, for sure, because it right, did, it did right. sound like I felt like I had a pretty good beat on them. And mind you, this is my first season, my first year out turkey hunting, so I didn't really know what I was doing a whole lot. And it wasn't that long ago; it was only a few years ago, but. Still, I'm I'm out there. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to park it here and see what happens. And then they just all got quiet. I'm like, okay, well, they must have gotten off the roots. I didn't hear any of them fly down. Right. So I'm sitting there waiting. I'm waiting, I don't know, probably half hour, 45 minutes. A bunch of deer came by, like, right next to me. I'm like, oh, shit, this is cool. And nice. I'm sitting out there kind of just enjoying the springtime. It's a beautiful day, beautiful morning. And I'm sitting there. And then I heard a gobble pretty close. I'm like, oh, sweet. And then I saw him he came off to my left and he was on the other side of the river and he came in and he just started strutting oh, okay like right on the right is on it the public river. on the other side or is it yep, yep. oh nice so, so it's all same. yep so it's all public and i'm watching him strut back and forth on the river on the river bank basically just strutting back and forth and gobbling gobbling and i'm like okay so, so i give him a couple light light yelps i know he can see a von from where he's at I know he can because he's perfect. He's sitting there. I'm like, fuck, dude. I just give him some light yelps and I'm just going to watch him fly across the river, come right in. And I'm going to fucking get a turkey. Right. Yeah. That's badass. exactly how it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and just waiting, being patient, trying to get him a little bit more worked up. And he just would not come across the river. He just wouldn't do it. So then mm-hmm. I get, so then I get impatient and I'm like, fuck it. And mind you, before this day, I was talking to my buddy Matt, and there's when we were out hunting during third season, there's a bunch of turkeys not too far away. I'm like, Matt, why don't we just like sneak over there and shoot them? Like, they're not too far, right. they're just on the other side of this thick stuff. Like, just a sneaker on this thick stuff and fucking shoot them. He's like, You can't sneak yeah. on turkeys, either. Their eyesight's way too good. Like, they you mm-hmm. can't, they're not deer. They see too well. They pick up every little, all this little movement. They're, they're just, you can't sneak up on them. It's not, it's not deer hunting. You can't spot and stalk fucking turkeys. I'm like, okay. So we, we wait. So fast forward <laughs> to where I'm at now, I'm getting pissed and getting impatient. I'm like, okay, fuck it. And the ground, the ground growth is pretty tall already. So I just, okay. I just slithered yeah, down. A little bit of cover. Yeah. So I just slithered down. I, I belly crawl all the way up. Like as I'm belly crawling too, I'm, you know, I'm going really slow. I don't want to make, go too fast. I do know they have good eyesight. So I'm low crawling, right. nice and slow. I'm peeking my head up just just over the weeds, and I'm seeing this fucker just keep strutting back and forth and gobbling. I'm like, okay, sweet. So I take a couple more little <clears> crawls. <throat> I poke my head up again. He's still strutting. like, sweet. So I get going. I get pretty close to the river's edge. I poke my head up, and he's like, he has his fan down. He's kind of walking away. So I, I'm like, shit. So I give him a couple more like l- light yelps. 
and he struts mm-hmm. back up and he comes back comes back over <laughs> to the to the riverbank. I'm like, nice, I got him excited again. So I I crawl up and I'm I'm telling you, like I got to the river to the riverbank and the river it, it drops down pretty good. So okay. when I get to the riverbank, I'm on my belly. And I just like part the weeds in front of me. And I pull my shotgun up. And as I do that, he like stops and he picks his head up a little bit and I fucking let her rip. And, nice. And, and he takes off running I'm like shit. He's still running. So I jump up on my feet and I kind of lose him in the brush across the river. So I'm like looking for yeah. him, looking for him. And then all of a sudden he comes sprinting across the open area again. And I, as he's running, I shoot again and I just dump him and he folds up and <laughs> <laughs> rolls up. In That's this, epic. Yeah. He just rolls up in this mud puddle. And he's flopping around I'm like, nice, I killed him. I got my first turkey. I'm like, I fucking, I was so stoked. I'm like, I amazing. fucking spawn stalked this turkey. I crawled up on him. I killed him. And Matt said, that's impossible. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> this is fucking sweet. So then I jumped the river and I just run, run through the river because it wasn't really that deep. But so right, I, right. you know, it was about nipple, te- nipple, nipple deep. So I oh, jump in the river and I fucking, deep. yeah, it wasn't over my head. I didn't have to swim, but it was deep yeah. enough. Obviously, I'm like, I just killed a turkey, so I'm going home. Like, I don't need to worry about being cold and wet. I'm just going to walk out Yeah, of here. that's a good point. Yeah, so I jump across the river. I grab him. like, oh, nice. This is badass. And have you ever seen a turkey when it's completely soaked? Oh, my gosh. They look so nasty Dude, and just. They are the worst animals to look at wet. Like, they're so yeah. ugly. So... There's nothing pretty about them. You can't <laughs> see all the color shades and just a that, black. like, phosphorescent uh shimmer that they get in different sunlight yeah it's just i missed all that my first turkey uh but that's a bummer but hey that's still an epic hunt though yeah it was fucking sweet so i grabbed him up he's completely stoked like oh what whatever so i jump back across the river i grab a von lawn i'm stoked i'm walking back i hit the trail and on my way out of here i'm walking on the trail out and some other turkey hunter comes up and he's like Uh he's an older guy probably in his uh probably in his late sixties or so, maybe early seventies. Okay. And he's like, Oh, you got a turkey, huh? I thought I heard a, a bang out there. I'm like, yep. And he's like, where'd you get it? I'm like, ah, just right over there. You know, he's like, Oh, okay. It's like, uh-huh. I've, I've been hunting here for, you know, 30 years. And man, it's the, the turkeys just have not been around lately. Uh, the past few years. I'm like, really? I'm like, I don't know. I, I got here and I heard gobbles and I shot this turkey. Like, you know? <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, great, great job. So he's like, want me to take a picture? I'm like, hell yeah, that'd be awesome. So this old guy yeah. sits up and he takes a picture of me. And I'm like, all I know is that what I've seen on, you know, the internet and other people's turkey pictures. So I, 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 I grab my turkey, lay him down. <laughs> I fold his fan out. I'm like, this is, <laughs> like, this is pathetic, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> hey, it's, that's still a great trophy because I mean yeah, the story dude. behind it is just amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. I love it. I'll, <laughs> I'll post the picture after this um, episode airs and stuff. But man, that was it's, awesome. It's a pathetic picture, but man, I was so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. That's that's a yeah. big accomplishment. Thanks, man. That's great. Yeah. Then I shot another turkey doing the same kind of stuff, but just different situation. But that one did not get wet, so it was my. That was my first time seeing them. Like, like you said, the whole floor, like the different colors and stuff. You never realize, like, just from pictures, how pretty they are. Honestly, no. I mean, when you get up close to them and you're you got the tail spread out and you're looking at all the different feathers and, <clears throat> I mean, it pictures don't do not do those birds justice. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
No. When you have them in full sunlight and they're dry, it it's super pretty. It is. And that that turkey, I did get some really good pictures. And once again, my buddy Matt Moon, I've talked about him a lot, but he mm-hmm. got me in a turkey hunt. So I went and told him about the turkeys. It's the same kind of situation this that season where I hunted with him. And we, we've never gotten turkeys together. But we really? we hunt together quite a bit. But it, always, it never fails. Like when he's like, "Oh man, I gotta get going back home," you know, and whatever. Right, I gotta right. Go do, do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, "Okay, sounds good." I'm just gonna go hit up some public land and see what happens. And I shoot a turkey, and I come back. Yeah, and I'm like, "Man, I got a turkey." He's <laughs> like, "You fucker!" <laughs> <laughs> but he took he took some really good pictures of that bird, and that it that picture did show off a lot of its colors. I'm like, "That was awesome!" Like we were in the sun, it was a beautiful day, and man, I, that's awesome. I just keep. Sometimes I, I feel like when you go out on, on public land, you just, because <clears throat> I don't have any, anywhere around here to be able to just take the shotgun and go hunting for turkeys. Um, I have a few small pieces of private that I can hunt, but there are no turkeys on them. So they're mostly mm-hmm. just deer hunting. And so if I'm either going with a buddy on property that he has permission on around here, or else I'm just going to public. And I feel like when I go to public, I don't have the same pressure or expectations that I do when I go to like a nice piece of private and, oh, yeah. and I just get out there and start walking and wait until I hear something gobbling or I'll, if I'm not hearing anything, I'll call occasionally as I walk up a trail and, and more often than not, I'll strike something up and be able to get close, if not be able to get a shot at him. Yeah. And, when you're out there just hunting like that, you just do whatever the terrain dictates that you have to do to be able to get close to that thing. You're not worried about wind. You're just worried about how can I get close enough without being spotted and what is that bird probably doing right now? And it's a, it's a, a mind game for sure, but it's a different kind of mind game than when it comes to deer hunting. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you're like, Oh, if I screw up on him, I'll just go find another one. You don't yeah. feel the same pressure that you do with deer if you're hunting a big buck or something where if you spook him he may be over in the next county for the rest of the season or something absolutely dude i i agree with you a hundred percent where there is just a lot less pressure during turkey season what you kill and it's just my my goals every turkey season is just to kill a turkey kill a you know a tom so right you know, exactly I, I haven't shot any jakes but i'm like i just want to kill <laughs> I mean, a, a nice a nice turkey and I'll be stoked, right. you know? And yeah. when you take a picture with a turkey, too, and you put it on the internet, everyone's like, oh, yeah, great job, nice turkey. You know, but when you take a, when you shoot a deer it's and you put it on, on the internet, you're, you're going to have some some people saying, like, oh, yeah, cool deer. You know, you would have been really cool in a couple of years, you know, da da da. Right, exactly. Like, Someone taken away from it or taken away from uh, looks probably private land. You probably didn't shoot that in public. Yeah, or, high fence, fucking da da da. I mean, I don't have the problem deer. of people saying high fence because no, i don't either <laughs> i'm not shooting giants but right. yeah but there are plenty of people out there who are shooting giants who yeah. people are giving them those comments yep austin has that problem but i don't but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. but there's there's just seems i it is 100 percent on me like i put more pressure on myself during deer season because i want to shoot i, I want to shoot a different it, it means so much caliber. more to me though too yes it does and I want to shoot a certain caliber of deer this year, you know, so I'm, you know, it just, it's a, 
it's a different type of pressure that I put on myself. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Cause I set the goals for myself and I want to do a right, certain thing exactly. and shoot a certain caliber of deer, but turkey hunting is just straight up. Like, like you said, like, especially public land turkey hunting, I can just go out mm-hmm. there and, and just full on, just enjoy it. Enjoy the nice spring weather. Cause I'm a, I'm a fair weather turkey hunter. I don't like to hunt when it's fucking, when it's fucking raining <laughs> and shit, windy, dude. Rainy. Yeah. Snowing out. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I'm a fair weather turkey hunter because, turkey hunter because to me turkey hunting is not just hunting of the turkey it's also like the warm weather watching you know every weekend that you go out the grass is getting a little bit greener there's getting to be a little bit more foliage shit's starting to come to life and it's the 100 it, percent. it's the sun the nice warm sun it's a cool nice cool morning then you get a nice warm sun that comes out and it's sunny and it's beautiful and you're like fuck yeah this is getting me stoked for the nice weather because i just went through a terrible winter so you're like exactly this is why i love <laughs> you might sit hunting. out there and take a nap in the warm sun yeah for a little bit if there's not much happening and i did that last get year up and hike around a little more yeah i did that last year yeah, oh. and i fucking went out and i was just on public land Walked down to the backside of this public, didn't see much, came back around, I just laid down. I'm like, fuck it, dude, I'm going to take a nap. I took like a 20-minute so yeah, like siesta, got up, started walking back, and there's a fucking turkey in the field. I'm like, hell yeah. So I shot him. <laughs> and I'm like, this is badass. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's it's so much it's so much more relaxing. And, and after the pressures that you put on yourself for deer season, when when you can just walk out there and – you don't have to worry about hanging a stand or playing the wind or where are they betting. You're just yeah. walking around and hoping to see one or hear one and see if you can get close enough. And and as long as his beard is longer than six inches or whatever it is, then if you can get a shot, then take it. If yeah. not, then there are more out there and you just go find another one. Right. Have you ever talked to a turkey hunter that's like, Hey man, I'm going out there this year. I really want to shoot a fucking multi-bearded turkey. (laughs) My goal this Uh, year is I want to shoot a fucking, at at least a double bearded Tom. That's my goal. Or I want one with at least inch spurs. I have talked to people who have had that as a goal, but it's only because they had a double beard or a triple beard Tom on camera. And so it was more like they were targeting that bird. It wasn't like, they were going to go out and find this bird and they weren't, they weren't going to shoot anything else unless they could locate a bird like this. It was, Oh, I have this land and there's this Tom with three beards walking around out there somewhere. And I get pictures of him occasionally. So I'm going to try and shoot him. Yeah. I don't run cameras for birds though. <laughs> no, no, I don't either. If I get if uh, I get turkeys on my cameras that are set up for deer, then I'm like nice bonus. But I'm not like right, right, I'm exactly. Not like, hey, I'm gonna go set up these cameras for for birds. You know, I'm just gonna go out and shoot a bird. No, every now and then I will go and put a, a camera in a certain spot, like on this hilltop. Sometimes they'll use that hilltop as like a strut zone. So on oh. occasion, I'll put a camera out there and just because. I, I'm not a good enough turkey hunter. It seems like it's only certain times during the season they use it. And so rather than <clears throat> try to sit there and scientifically figure out when they're using it and what weather conditions, I just kind of put a camera out there and I'll be like, oh, he's been out there for the last two days. Okay. Well, maybe <laughs> I'll set up there this morning. Yeah. See if he comes back or something like that. But, yep. but no, for the most part, I'm not using cameras for turkeys. Mm-hmm. 
I, that's another thing too. Like with deer hunting, I get super big into like, you know, I, I've read, a, read about moon phases and I've read about like, all, you know, uh, the jury guys, they all put out, you know, all the, the, the different phases of deer hunting and the deer season, right, all this right. shit, you know, it gets really scientific and I nerd out on deer when it comes to that stuff. But when turkeys, like, I just, I feel like turkeys are fair weather animals too. Like, I don't think they like to be yeah, out, out running around unless it's nice out anyways. No, so, right. Exactly. I don't know if that's actually true or maybe it's just because that's the only time I hunt. So it's the only time I see birds. But, <laughs> I well, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if it's a, a universal thing or if it was just the conditions for whatever times I happen to see them. But I have noticed that sometimes when it's raining, I'll see them out in fields more. And I don't know exactly why that is. But yeah. I don't have a lot of fields to be able to hunt to capitalize on that. Most, like I said earlier, it's mostly just big timber that I'm hunting. So see, I've, that doesn't do me any good to capitalize on that. Right. I've noticed Other that. Than to with... tell me, like, I don't have fields, so I'm not going to go hunt in this shitty weather. Right. <laughs> I've seen that um, around here, just driving around and stuff. I've seen that. But I've seen it more. Uh, I've seen a lot of turkeys out in the fields right when the storm is ending like the sun's just starting to peak out then i see a bunch of uh, gotcha. fuck ton of turkeys on the fields i think that i think they're trying to get out in the open <clears throat> so they can dry catch themselves those off worms and stuff yeah catch the worms and trying to war- like dry themselves off a little bit and catch some sun right. because they can't they can't do that in the timber, <clears throat> you know i imagine out in the field it's probably easier to find those worms and i mean you oh, yeah. you know you walk down a sidewalk after a, a heavy rain and there's 13 worms on the sidewalk or whatever, whatever it might be. Absolutely. And so I wonder if it's uh, something like that too, where we're after a rainstorm, they know it's just going to be worms all over the place on the surface. Mm-hmm. And it's just probably uh, I'm sure that Easter ha- famine. Just get <laughs> yeah. out there and take advantage of it while they're there before they go back underground. Yeah. What does that mean? They got, uh, what was that saying? You got to make a, when the sun's shining or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, it's, in this it, case, eat worms when the rain's ending. Yeah, yeah, that, I'm sure that has something to do with it. I'm not a fucking biologist, but no, I'm sure, no, I'm that's sure just that speculation. I'm just spitballing right now. So, yeah. <clears throat> no, turkey, hunt is, turkey hunt is a blast. I, it's just, it's a good time. It's a completely different good time than deer hunting. Like they're just so right. different. Like I've heard the, I've heard people get asked, like, um, you know, I, I know, I think uh, Kurt asked Mark Drury, like, what would you rather do? deer hunt or turkey hunt and he said he's a turkey hunter before he's a deer hunter but i heard that yeah and that's you know that's kind of wild to think about but at the same time i get it that's what he started doing that's what got him into it so that's awesome yeah he's right, also right. that's what his passion is yeah but he's also really glad that you don't have to he doesn't have to choose he can do both but you never yeah, see you never right, see mark right. jury out there in the fall hunting turkeys there is a turkey no, season that's a good point <laughs> there is a fall turkey season in in iowa and you never see mark jury out there like I can't wait to get out in the fall and fucking hunt some turkeys. He's always, hunt, he's hey, always hunting. Putting deer. this out there for Mark, if he listens to this, um, my cousin's got like 1,900 acres, about three hours from me. I can probably work out a deal for him to come hunt turkeys there, and he's got a lot of them, and he can get three tags even as a non-resident. So if he wants Damn. to come hunt turkeys there and let me uh, come hunt deer at his place. Yeah. I'll figure something out. Yeah, there you go. Because I'm sure Mark Tree listens to Victory <laughs> Drive. 
you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's never going to hear it, but I, I had, no, I, I, had I, I get it. Good for him. It's, yeah. that's what his passion is. I mean, he started off calling turkeys and, oh yeah, and he was really good at it. And he met so many lifelong friends doing it. I mean, you listen exactly. to that OG turkey series and you can just hear how passionate he is when it comes to turkeys and calling and, yep. And I mean, it's it's a different type of hunting too. You, you get to be out there with friends if you want to. You can have a whole group of guys. You can do mm-hmm. turkey camp, and it, it's it's a whole different experience. It's much more camaraderie based. Camaraderie based, as far as at least as far as how I do it. Yeah, um, it is, and that's like a, I, when I when I deer hunt, it's much more of a selfish and a, an individual activity. And turkey hunting is, is can seems like it can just be so much more open to having a lot more people around. I think so too. Um, deer season is much more of a solitary enjoyment. That's why I think it's a lot more fulfilling when it comes to deer. When I say deer season, I'm talking about archery deer season. Um, when it comes to archery deer, it's a lot more, I mean, it could be gun season too, depending on how you're doing it. Depending on how you're doing it. If if you're just, yeah. In my area, during gun season, it's it's driving. Everyone's everyone's driving okay. deer. You're not really going out in your land and sitting and waiting. I'm sure they do. A lot of people do do that, but just around me, mm-hmm. that's what everyone's doing. Everyone's it's a group effort. Everyone's hunting deer and driving. And it's it, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. It, a lot of a big piece of me misses that to an extent, you know, because it is gun gun season during gun deer is just such a totally different aspect. And I hate, I can't say that I like one over the other more because, you know, do I necessarily agree with driving deer? Not 100%. Entirely different experiences. They are. And it's like, do I 100% agree with deer drives? No. But do I want them to go away? No, because I did enjoy it while I did it a lot. Um, Right. But it's just one of those things. It's completely different experiences and it's way more camaraderie based and way more group based. And it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. I agree with that, and my my only caveat would be I think what you're allowed to do on your own private land as far as drives go is different from what I feel like it should be on public land. Yeah. If you're going out – Because, like, around here, one of the things that almost got me out of hunting before I got into bow hunting is the fact that people use dogs, and they can use dogs on public land. Oh, shit. It – there's nothing more defeating than – doing everything you can to play the wind and sneak in through a creek and get around behind this knoll to where when people are walking in, you're hoping they'll push deer over the edge and you're set up there like mm-hmm. on public land two and a half hours before daylight only to have a pack of dogs come run a, a few deer by you out of range and too fast through the brush. Yeah. That's like, 45 minutes after first light or whatever. Yeah, that does. And then people too. come through and they're like, it's not my fault. The dogs don't know anything any better. They just go <laughs> wherever they want, wherever the deer go. I'm like, yes, I get that. But the way you're hunting is preventing me from being able to hunt the way I'm hunting. I'm yep. not preventing you from being able to hunt the way you want to hunt, but your hunting is ruining mine and so many other people's hunts. And nope. You're... So I think there's a, a, a time and a place for all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I don't know that public land is the place that you, people should be able to do drives and that kind of thing. But 
<laughs> they I- affect other people in the way they want to hunt. Yeah. In Iowa, you can't use dogs during deer season. Okay. So uh, that is one but thing. But you can do you can man do, drives. Yep. You can do drives with human beings, you know. So, like, a lot of times. Have you ever seen, like, white tail adrenaline? They do a lot of yeah, deer yeah, drives yeah, yeah. and stuff. So, like, that kind of stuff, you know. You have some some sitters posted up or posters posted up um, on some escape routes. And you have one or two guys walking through and, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, pushing, driving deer towards the posters and hopefully they get a good shot. Um, right, right. But there's, in my opinion, there's also a right and wrong way to do deer drives, just like anything else. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't agree with hound hunting for whitetails. I agree with hound hunting for predators. Like, you know, use a, a predator to hunt a predator. That, that's fine. Like mountain lions, bears, whatever the fuck. That's great. Um, but it's when it comes to, because there's such a problem. Yeah. But when it comes to, white tails and like prey animals. I don't necessarily agree with using dogs in order to aid in the hunting of them. So, but when it comes to human drives, like what I grew up doing there, in my opinion, there's a right and wrong way to do it. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion. Obviously don't fucking, I'm not, you know, King. Right. No, it's the same with what I've been saying. You know, but it's like some, I don't agree with going through with 25 guys and hitting a big chunk of woods and just, shooting at all the deer when they're running Mach 10. I don't agree with that. Right. Like the way I grew up doing it and the way me and my buddy do it during, you know, muzzle, like late muzzleloader season, we'll do conduct a couple deer drives when we're trying to get some, some does during like we go to a County that has extra doe tags. We'll do some drives in the late muzzleloader season. Mm-hmm. But the way we're doing it is I'm say I'm a poster. I'm set up somewhere, you know, an escape route. Then my buddy is right. walking in and he's still hunting. You know, he's like, getting out of the deer trail. He's trying to find the deer in the woods so he can get a shot at them before they bust out. And then hopefully by the time they get You're to setting up a place that hopefully they might use it as an escape route. Yeah. But... but then hopefully by the time they get to me, they're like slowing down to either a, a trot, a walk, or a lot of times they'll just stop, look back and see what's going on. And then I'll get a shot. Right. You know, so I don't like shooting deer when they're going Mach 10. No, so, and that's what you get right. a lot of times when you have dogs or a ton of people pushing deer. Um, and frankly, it gets it gets dangerous when when they're doing that, and you're set up out there, and they've concocted their plan, and they've got fifteen guys set up, and they're using dogs to push push deer through the woods on public land and they don't know that you're set up there and you don't know where they are and mm-hmm. deer start running dogs are chasing and guys start shooting. I mean, you, you're sitting out there and you, there's nothing you can really do except just kind of hope that you're out of the way enough and yeah. don't get shot. I mean, you're talking about guys with center fire rifles. You can, use pretty much anything you want around here and mm-hmm. there's no restrictions in virginia right like so you can go out with like a, a 300 wind mag or a 338 lapula yeah whatever, so right? so there there are some counties or cities city areas that have restrictions but the general virginia law is that there are no restrictions okay so i guess you would say there are no restrictions but there are exceptions gotcha in certain areas so the state of Virginia doesn't have any restrictions, but certain areas might. Yes. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. So 
in Iowa, it used to, when I was growing up, it, it was shotgun season. You could only use shotguns with slugs. Okay. And so, you know, a shotgun shooting slugs, I don't know, effective out to a couple hundred yards, we'll say, if you're, right. you know, if you practice and you're really good with it. Um, yeah. I've heard of guys taking, taking deer at, you know, 300 yards with a shotgun. And mm-hmm. is it easy? Hell no. It's a lot of drop on a fucking shotgun slug at 300 Yeah, it's such a heavy projectile. You know? Yeah, but uh, a few years ago, they pat they made a, a law where you could start using rifles. And I think when it first came out, it was straight-walled rifles only. So, like, you know, if it... You know what? Yeah, they got straight-walled... Yeah, pistol, pistol caliber. caliber rifle or something yeah. like that. Right. So they had... When they first came out, it was straight-walled cartridges. So everyone got 450 Bushmasters... And or a four, 40, 45, 70, 45, 70 or, uh, yeah. fucking 357 mag, whatever, you know, straight walled cartridges. And then right. they amended it because it was <clears throat> kind of confusing for a lot of people. They're like, oh, I don't know what that means, really. So there's a lot of const- a lot of confusion and a lot of weird restrictions and a lot. Of, I think a lot of people got cited for it. And oh, it, was just okay. a, it was kind of an ordeal at first. So then they just made it, okay, any... Handgun, any pistol cartridge, any straight walled pistol cartridge or center fire cartridge, but it has to be a minimum of 35 caliber or bigger. Uh, Okay, so between 35 cal and 50 cal. So 300, so 0.350 to 0.500, right? That's the minimum bullet diameter. In maximum bullet diameter, and anything in between. Why that did they is arrive open. at those calibers? Do you have any idea? Yeah, so basically, uh, a thirty-five <laughs> caliber bullet is pretty fucking big, and a fifty caliber is even bigger. So basically, they wanted right. they wanted to be a certain way where it'd be easier to interpret, and also it doesn't a thirty-five caliber, and those 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 calibers don't necessarily go that far because it's a big heavy slug right right so they're not going you're not you're generally not taking a, a 35 wheeling and shooting it at you know yeah a thousand <laughs> a thousand yards you know you're not you're right, not really right. you're not really doing that a lot or taking a 45 70 could. i mean you could try but you're just not right. it's not very effective out past no no you know. right right so basically the dnr in the state of iowa decided like with these bigger caliber bullets it still falls within our safety net of not shooting very far. Well, and it, it make, I think in Iowa, Illinois, places like that, it's there. You have a lot more areas where it's more flat and it's a lot of farmland, so there's not a lot to separate maybe a house from where you're hunting. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so it's. A, I'm sure safety is a much bigger factor when it comes to places like that. I mean, exactly. Here in Virginia, it's super hilly and lots of trees. And I mean, we have farmland, but it's all broken up by big sections of woods and and that kind of thing. So yep. it's probably a little safer to be able to shoot a centerfire cartridge versus a, a rimfire or a straight wall cartridge. Yep, I think so. I think that's a, a really big reason because where I'm at in Iowa. It's very flat. It's super flat, and it's all ag ground and river bottoms. Okay. So uh, the river bottoms hold the trees and shit, and everything that can be tilled is tilled in where I'm at in Iowa. Right, right. And so, yes, that definitely is a big factor. 
And now they did just open up a special antler, antlerless season in Iowa, which is after the late muzzleloader season. And there okay. you can nice. use whatever center fire you want. You can use a 300 wood mag. You can use a fucking six five <laughs> Creedmoor. You can use whatever. Well, that that makes a little more sense to me too, because you probably have guys passing on maybe the more risky shots when it comes to antlerless deer, when it comes to um, antler deer. If there's a big buck out there, they, some guys might get caught up and be more, much more willing to to Hope. take a longer, riskier <laughs> shot because it's a giant yep. versus a doe. They're like, oh, no, that's probably not a safe shot. I'm going to hold off and wait for uh, a safer shot to where I can get something closer that has a better backdrop, backstop or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it and the fact that Iowa has a a lot of counties in Iowa have a fuck ton of does and the buck to doe ratio is so skewed that they're like, Hey, we need to get some of these does out of here and we don't want to pay the government for sharpshooters to come in and take these does out. But we do need these does taken care of because they're getting overpopulated and it's stressing out the bucks. And I mean, I'm sure people listening understand the, um, the need to keep the herd deer herd in check and not have too many does. So right, keep it balanced yeah, I got to keep it balanced out to a and, certain population. Yep. And it helps the, far- it keeps the farmers happy. So they're not all pissed off saying all the deer are eating all my <laughs> fucking crops. And you know, so it's just good to have a healthy balance of deer. So they opened up more opportunities in Iowa for antlerless deer. And that was one of them. And I, I think it's great. Props to Iowa for, for doing that rather than going the, the route that so many other States go where they are budgeting, $500,000 to pay some guy to come in or some company to come in and shoot deer in the middle of the night to cut down on the herds or yeah. they're spending $2 million to sterilize these deer oh, so they don't reproduce. And New Jersey was doing that, weren't they? Yeah, I think New Jersey and I think um, somewhere in New York they were doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. That's wild. <clears throat> That's fucking crazy. But yeah, yeah. Like, so I, you have a whole a whole bunch of people who would gladly come and help you take care of it, and they'll pay to enter quota hunts or lotteries or whatever it is. But no, you want to spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars to come in and do this this way, and you're going to mm-hmm. piss off a big population of of residents or citizens and. I don't know. So I, I I applaud Iowa for going that route and letting the citizens decide that, that if they're going to participate in that rather than spend a big chunk of money right. needlessly. Yeah, and there's there's some conspiracy theories out there where people think, oh, the DNR they just want they want more tags sold because they want more money and they don't give a fuck about the deer herd and this that and the other. But man, I've been I, I do a lot of doe, like late season doe hunting. Because mm-hmm. that's what is that's what's allowed in Iowa. And the DNR sets the tags. The biologists and DNR they set the tags for a reason, in my opinion. And I trust them to a certain to a certain extent. I I I believe that the North American conservation model is one of the only government programs that seems to work. And I agree. 100%. And in Iowa, they haven't lost my trust yet, so I'm going to take advantage of the tags. And when I do go out to these counties in Iowa that have extra doe tags at the end of the mm-hmm. season when they have a bunch of extra leftover tags, I go out there and I hunt them and I see it. Like there's a fuck ton of does out. So I'm like, Hey, right. It makes sense. And, and 
from my perspective as a hunter, it does make sense why these counties have extra doe tags because there's a fuck ton of does. So yeah. um, if I don't do my part as a hunter to help out the DNR and the cons- and the biologists by taking some more does out, then they're going to figure out other ways to do it. And yep, I would, 100%. I'd rather get that meat and have fun doing it rather than see some fucking government sharpshooters out there sitting bait piles in the middle of the night, spotlighting deer and blasting fucking 30, 40 deer out of a field. So, right. Exactly. And it helps, no, I, and it helps I, I landowners and everything else. So I, I just, I think it's fun and it's good and I like to do it. And Absolutely. if we don't do our part as hunters and there's a lot of other, um, cities, like there's these city hunts in Iowa too. Some, some, in some certain places, Certain cities yeah, in Iowa, yeah, I'm sure you do too. Every state seems to have these city hunts for archery only, and it's within mm-hmm. city limits. And if we're not doing our part as hunters to take advantage of those seasons and go out there and, and, and hunt deer in these yep. special hunts and everything else that the DNR puts out, then you're going to see some of the shit that you don't want to see. So I do believe yeah, exactly. that it's our part as hunters to participate in the conservation of the deer herd and do and take advantage of those situations so and that that's a really good point i had never thought about that aspect of it when you have these city hunts and whatever it might be to try to curb the the population that by doing it not only are you having fun and you're getting the meat but you're also showing the government hey we don't need to spend all this money because we we have people willing to do this we have people wanting to do this so let's make sure we keep it available to them and do everything we can to help them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And- actually, I, I hunt in a program kind of similar to that um, in the next county over, and it's run by the county police. And they've seen that there's a there's obviously a need to uh, control the deer populations. I mean, in this area around here, there are so few hunters per capita that, the deer are just out of control. And so they, I, I th- my understanding is that when the program started, it was experimental to see how it went and see if it was going to have any effect. And then it's, it's caught on and it's, it's still a thing. And then it provides me with an, an amazing opportunity to be mm-hmm. able to bow hunt and yep. I don't have to pay for it. And I don't even have to go, find the place to hunt they assign once i qualify and pass a background check and everything they assign me to an area to be able to hunt and it's a it's a pretty big area i mean i share it with a bunch of people but not very many people within that group take it as seriously as i do Mm -hmm. and some of my buddies who are also in it and it also allowed me to meet some of my best friends in the area because we shared this thing in common and we're hunting the same ground and um, got to know each other and start sharing information and help each other drag deer or track deer or whatever. And and it's just built a a secondary or unintended um, friendship out of it too. So, I mean, I fully support all of those programs that, that the state wants to, or the county or whatever it might be, wants to allow because in my mind and from what I've seen, they're very effective and it's much more cost efficient versus 
hiring some sharpshooters to come in in the middle of the night and just slaughter deer that are standing out in some field in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And and it's one of those things where I know where that money is going. When I buy a deer tag or a turkey tag or a waterfowl stamp or whatever, whatever it is, whenever I buy my hunt license, I know where that money is going. It's going back into conservation. It's going back to the DNR and the conservation groups in order for them to maintain public land in what little public land we have in Iowa to maintain it, put in food plots, you know, support the deer herd that we have in Iowa and it also stop poachers. And it also helps, helps them buy up other land. You know, there's a bunch of private land that gets bought up by the, the County or state to get turned into public hunting. You know, if it's say, especially those big pieces that not a lot of people can afford, if they don't get sold, right. then, then the conservation in the state's going to go in and say, "Hey, here's our offer. If you don't get any better offers, like you know, consider this offer. We'll put, we'll turn into public hunting. We'll put a fucking sign up there saying, you know, like, you know, Mary Joe's fucking public hunting area, and your name's going to be on that plaque, and it's going to be great. It's, you're, we're going to offer you, we're offering you less than what someone else might buy it for or what you're asking for, but it does all these other awesome benefits." I think a lot of times they'll get some kind of a, a tax benefit too when they accept accepts a price that's oh, I'm sure. that much lower than market value. Yep, I'm sure they do. And it's it's almost like a donation type deal I feel like, but also in it also helps the um the conservation get up like uh walk in public hunting areas, you know, where it's yeah, it's private right, land. Right. But it's walk-in only or something or whatever it is. In Iowa, we call it IHAB. It's Iowa Habitat Access Program. So we get okay. to the conservation to be able to go through and talk to these landowners. Like, hey, you have a bunch of property here. You mind if we enroll enroll you into IHAP? And that that's a huge tax benefit, especially if they're not using yeah. oh, if they're not sure. using it anymore. If they're not really using it anymore as like a, a say it was just grassland, and they're like, hey, let us fucking buy it up, put it, or not buy it up, but um, you basically entered in this program. Basically, yeah. Basically, the landowner leases it to the state, and they can put whatever restrictions on it they want to. They can say bow hunting only. They can say rabbit hunting only. They can say pheasant hunting only. Whatever they want. They have right, the freedom right. to restrict and cater to what they want to see on their land. But it's a cool program. So, I wish Virginia had something like that. To, to the extent of my knowledge, we don't have anything like that currently, but. I think that would be awesome because you have so many properties around here that no one does anything with. Um, And I think part of it is you have so many wealthy people or corporations that buy up land and just hold it as an investment property, hoping that property prices will go up and they can flip it or Mm -hmm. sell it to a developer or whatever it might be. But I mean, you, I sit there on Onyx and I'm looking at all these properties trying to figure out property owners and they're owned by some, this corporation or that corporation or this person. And then you click on, you click on their address and it's someone in fucking California (laughs) and they're just buying properties as investments. So, well, it's a, it's a, it's it's a tax break for them too. Like those fuckers, those corporations and all those assholes in like California and shit. Because that happens right. in Iowa too, not as much, not to the that extent, because Iowa land is fucking expensive. But it is mm-hmm. a tax break to those corporations if they buy, you know, rec- like, uh, uh, farmland or whatever else. 
in some other state, then it's a big tax break for them. So it's another it's another write off. Right, right. And it doesn't but cost them anything. They, they rent also, it out. And, uh, if they could also lease it to the state for hunting rights, yep. then that's an additional write-off for yeah. them. That they, so I, that would be amazing if Virginia would institute some kind of program like that. I, mm-hmm. I think that it would be amazing as long as once word got out. Although you would have a decent amount of pushback because, in, especially in this area with so many liberals this close to DC. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can't tell you how many times when people around here find out I hunt, they're like, you hunt? You mean you, you kill stuff? Do you eat it? You murder like, rare? Yes. That's, <laughs> that's the whole point of it. That's the whole point, man. Uh, but hey, it's, and it's, it's fun. just such a foreign concept to them. I mean, uh, they see movies or they have this idea of what a hunter is, but when they, yeah. it's like they've never met a hunter before that everyone has so many questions and it's so and I, I I try to talk about it when they're genuinely curious and but that's the biggest thing some, if they're genu- genuinely curious it's so hard to explain it to someone that's it's hard enough to explain to someone that's genuinely curious and it's a whole other thing to sit there and explain it to someone that fucking hates it you know right exactly Exactly. So, but I definitely love having a conversation with people that are actually interested. But I hate having. I just hate talking. I I hate fighting with people when they're just so stubborn they don't want to. It goes back to the gun rights thing and everything else too. It's like I'm so sick of having the conversation with people that are just. It's going nowhere. You know, like if they're genuinely curious about it and they're they have a somewhat open mind, I'm absolutely 100 percent willing to to have the conversation. But exactly. if they're not, then I'm getting to the point where I'm just like, fuck they've, them. they've already made up their mind and they're just hoping that you say something that they can be like, aha. So yeah, right. that's why you shouldn't be able to do that. Then <laughs> I have no interest in that. And and it's gotten to the point that I get so burned out on that conversation that I just, I'd just as soon not even bring it up to begin with and then mm-hmm. to sit there and try to argue with someone that thinks that logic doesn't exist and that whatever <laughs> their reality or their truth is, is, is all that matters. Yeah. hundred percent, dude. But Hey, uh, as we're getting close to two hours, buddy. Um, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. where did the time go? I know. Right. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> steal your whole night, you know, since, especially since it's a week night and we both got to work in the morning, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I really appreciate well, man, coming it's been on, a buddy. Blast. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd love to have you on again whenever, you know, down down the line. If you ever want to hop back on again, something pops up that you want to talk about, let me know, buddy. Yeah. Awesome. That was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to jump on here. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, buddy. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you in the next one. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.